Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, what does a successful rookie season look like for the Raiders 2023 draft class? We'll talk about that. We got news and notes plus calls and texts all coming up on Friday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for May 19th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders, win. part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Lockdown Raiders Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it drops. And of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, many thanks to my man Ari. He does a great job each and every day making sure we're up on, on YouTube. At Ari Produces, you can check him out on Twitter if you like. Again, at Ari Produces. If you want to check him out on Twitter, you want to check me out on Twitter, send a message, want to get something into the show, at your boy Q254. Or if you just want to call or text, 707 65 44693. That's the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line. We'll get to those calls and texts coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, we'll talk about that 2023 NFL draft class for the silver and black. We'll go over every single player, talk about the production that I think that they could expect to have their rookie year, and all in all, what an entire class looks like as far as production goes for the Raiders in 2023. News and notes here in segment number one. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And I'm glad that today is Friday. Why am I glad today is Friday? Well, of course, because the weekend. Everyone gets excited about the weekend. But no, more importantly, I'm excited about this being Friday. We're going to head into the weekend and then get into next week. I cannot wait until next week. We have media availability with the Raiders next week. Now, Mother's Day weekend, the rookies had their mini camp, their mandatory mini camp for the rookies, and we were not allowed to be there. So the Raiders didn't allow the media to be in there. But next week at OTAs on May 25th, we're going to be in the building. June 1st, we'll be in the building. June 15th, we'll be in the building. Mandatory mini camp, June 6th through 8th, we'll be in the building. So what we do, we get an opportunity to talk to coaches. We get an opportunity to talk to players. I can come back to the podcast and tell you what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what it's looking like. And I know there's no pads popping. There's no you know game plan being installed. I can't tell you that, hey, man, this guy is going to be rookie of the year because this is what he looks like right now. No, but at least I'm getting a, uh, my own vision on the players and on the team and, and can tell you what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and also uh, ask questions to the coaches, whatever coaches they'll have. Josh McDaniels made available. Patrick Graham will be made available. Some of the assistants will be made available. So that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be something that I definitely look forward to. And again, it's exciting to be able to bring that to the podcast and then know that right after June 15th, well, really they're going to go on a, on, a, on a hyenas where they're gone and then all of a sudden they'll come back when it comes for training camp. And then once they get back for training camp, it's full throttle after that. So those are the dates to remember right there. May 25th, June 1st, and June 15th. Those are OTAs. Those are the ones that the media will be avail- available to be at and uh, talk to the coaches and to the players in the mandatory minicamp June 6th through June 8th. Also, I do know one guy that won't be in attendance to any of the OTAs or the mandatory minicamp. That is rookie defensive end Brock Martin. He's out of Oklahoma State. He was an undrafted free agent. He was the guy at the Raiders signed, one of the 10 they, they signed immediately after the draft. They just had the, the rookie minicamp over the weekend, again, Mother's Day weekend, and apparently they saw not enough of what they liked from Brock Martin because they waived him on Thursday, so now they have an open roster spot. They're sitting there at 89. Technically, they're at 90, 
because of their international player from Nigeria, but he doesn't count against the roster. So there's 90 guys there on the roster, but only 89 of them count against the roster. So plenty of people hit me up. Well, if they waive Brock Martin, who are they signing? Does that mean Marcus Peters is about to be a Raider? No, none of that matters, right? I mean, they're at 89. They could bring somebody in. They could be getting ready to sign someone like, hell, today there may be a notice from the Raiders. They might send an email saying, hey, we've signed so-and-so. I don't think it's going to be Marcus Peters. I don't think it's going to be any veteran at this point just because I think veterans, for the most part, don't really feel the need to sign uh, with, with a team right now, right? Middle of May. They don't really care about training camp, right? I mean, can you imagine Marcus Peters being eager to go to training camp? I can't. You know, Unique Ngakwe, he's out there. You think he's eager to go to training camp? I doubt it, right? Most veterans aren't really wanting to go to training camp, so I don't think that most of the big names that are still out there available, I don't think that they'll even sign until like midway through training camp, maybe even closer to training camp ending before they really get busy because, again, they've been there, done that. They're like 10-year vets, really don't uh, want to be in training camp. So right now the Raiders are sitting there at 89. If they decide they want to bring somebody in, they can. I think that they're going to give uh, these guys, especially next week during OTAs, they'll give some of these guys a little bit of burn, see what they like. If there's somebody that they like that's out there, maybe they'll go make a move for them. If not, then you know they'll just have that open roster spot, and then they'll feel it when they feel the need. So that's what my gut feeling tells me. Now that I went through that whole long explanation, we'll probably get an email any second now saying that the Raiders have just signed somebody. But right now, they do have an open roster spot after waving defensive end Brock Martin. Also, little news and notes just around the league. My man Ari Maybrov from the33team.com, he tweeted out on Thursday that the NFL is expected to award hosting rights for the Super Bowl in 2026 to Levi's Stadium in San Francisco. Last time San Francisco had it was Super Bowl 50 for the Panthers and Broncos. Uh, the NFL obviously uh, has awarded 2024 this upcoming year to Vegas and the next year, 2025, to, the New, to New Orleans. So the next two years are going to be great as far as where the Super Bowl is at. 2026, Levi Stadium, San Francisco, a.k.a. really Santa Clara. Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> right? You want to talk about a buzzkill. I'm a big fan of where the Super Bowl is going to be located. New Orleans is my favorite city. Miami was really cool. I enjoyed being there. I think Las Vegas is going to be fantastic. This past year, being in Phoenix, it was like, eh, whatever. Actually, it was Glendale. But where I was there covering the Super Bowl is all in Phoenix, the, the week leading up to the Super Bowl. I'm just not a big fan of Levi's. I mean, when we were there for Super Bowl 50, it was great being in San Francisco. It was great being back in the Bay Area as a Bay Area native. It was great being back. It was like I felt like I was at home again. So that was fun, right? We're there all week long leading up to the Super Bowl. But Monday when they have a Super Bowl opening night, we actually literally had to leave the convention center in San Francisco, get on a shuttle, and go all the way to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. And anyone who's a Bay Area native or – you know, just is from the Bay Area, lives there currently, knows that that drive from San Francisco all the way to Santa Clara around 5, 6 o'clock in the evening is not a friendly one, right? Even though we had a police escort, like there was no traffic, it still was a long drive. <laughs> and, and there's nothing in Santa Clara but great America. We're looking around, man. We're getting out there. We're over there by the shark tank and, and everything. We're like, what are we doing, man? It's like we're, I think we were in San Jose, we were. We were in San Jose originally for opening Sunday night uh, because the Shark Tank was right there. And then we had to get shuttled to Santa Clara, too. And I was like, this is the worst ride ever. There's nothing here. This is terrible. Like, I, I wanted nothing to do with this. So I know I sound like I'm complaining for being able to cover the Super Bowl, and that's really a lot of fun. But, man, that is one of my least favorite places to go. Phoenix is right up there, too. I'm not a big fan of Phoenix. Uh, there's some cities that are great. Like I said, New Orleans is my favorite. Houston was pretty good. When they put on, they had a really good uh, Super Bowl, and I didn't think it was going to be very good being in that city but it was um but yeah my favorites new orleans miami 
<laughs> Vegas. I think Vegas is going to be fantastic this upcoming year, but not Levi's. That's literally Great America. I, I talk about I talk about Levi Stadium all the time. Uh, whenever we bring up the 49ers on the radio show, I always say, "Yeah, they're playing in Great America." Like, come on, give me a break. Great America was cool when I was young, right? Remember back in the day. If you're a Bay Area native and used to go to the Great America like I used to, there was like Hot Day South Bay and all the good concerts would be there. That's where the first time I saw the Brat, the Brat and JT, uh, J- Jermaine Dupri, I saw uh, perform at Hot Day South Bay, Bellevue DeVoe back in the day. They had some really good concerts at Great America. Uh, it was always good as a youngster, you know, be on to chase girls around Great America. That was always fun. Or maybe, did you ever do the music videos? Remember the music videos? Like you would do all the lip syncing and everything and you'd have a video and you thought you were cool. You and the, oh, it was just me. It was just me. All right, so maybe I was just the only one that did that. Uh, I tried to do that a few times. I was never that great at it, but I did try to do that a couple times. So that was like the highlights of Great America. Now the 49ers literally play in Great America's parking lot. But that's just me. So expect that announcement to come up uh, sooner rather than later at the next owners' meetings that will be in Minnesota. Also, my final little nugget I have for you for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. I mentioned this the other day that – Peacock is going to stream, exclusively has the rights to stream the wild card game uh, this upcoming year in the playoffs. I, I thought that that was one thing. Like I was like, okay, that's a pretty big deal that they've got the exclusive rights to stream that, that game. I didn't know how much they spent. They spent $110 million to get that right. Could you imagine that much money for a wild card playoff game? And this is why when I asked the other day, could you imagine a scenario where the uh, Super Bowl is either pay-per-view or streamed on one of these streaming devices. Can you imagine how much money they would spend for the Super Bowl? I had Richard Deich from The Athletic. He uh, He's really good on the sports media side of things, like the business side of sports media. Had him on my radio show on Thursday, and I actually asked him that show and or that question. And he said the only reason he doesn't think that that'll happen as far as the Super Bowl being pay-per-view is because the networks like a CBS or a ABC or NBC or wherever the, the Super Bowl is going to be aired on actual cable, they'll spend that same amount of money, if not more than these streaming devices. So that's the only reason why the NFL wouldn't just say, okay, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll give it to Amazon Prime or we'll give it to Peacock or whatever, you know, Apple TV, YouTube, whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's the reason why they wouldn't do that because these networks will pay the same amount of money, if not more. So he doesn't see it happening. He did say that if it were to happen, it'd probably be like 25, 30 years down the line. I said, well, 25, 30 years from now, I ain't going to care. <laughs> it ain't going to make me no difference where you air the, the Super Bowl. I'm just hoping that I'm still alive to watch the Super Bowl in 25 or 30 years. So I'm not worried about uh, that point, part of it. So that's, that's basically what his response is. But that's a whole lot of money. $110 million for the exclusive rights to stream a, a, a wild card game? That's incredible. And just kind of let you know where a lot of the broadcasts are leaning, what direction they're leaning. I'm sure you saw the news the other day about the Pat McAfee show uh, headed to ESPN now. So they're spending a boatload of money for him. And, of course, he uh, did his thing uh, off Offset, you know, YouTube and, and uh, FanDuel and, and stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot of different players that are getting into the – the media side of things, the business side of things when it comes to sports media. But that's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, we're going to talk about the Raiders rookie class in 2023. We had that text from Brent from Boston on Thursday's show asking about what a, a successful season looks like for their rookie class, and I kind of briefly talked about it, but I want to deep dive into it. We'll do it coming up in segment number two after I tell you about Built Bar. And I tell you about Built Bar all the time, and I check out Built Bar. I check out Built.com. There's so many different options. When I check it out today, like I'm staring at the website right now, Built Bar Crispy Peanut Butter. I told you there's so many different peanut butter flavors, but now they have the crispy 
addition uh, as well. The Built Bar Crispy Peanut Butter, Built Bar Crispy Mint Chocolate. They've got all kind of different. If you don't want crispy, you want maybe you want marshmallows. Well, that means you want a puff. How about Red Velvet Puff, Brownie Batter Puff, Peanut Butter Puff, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, Birthday Cake Puff. Is it your birthday? Like 50 Cent? Hey, it's my birthday. Go. For- yeah, you get it. Churro Puff Bite, Brownie Batter Puff Bite, Mint Brownie Puff. I mean, Cookies and Cream Puff. They got Bites. They've got Crispy They've got granola. They've got marshmallow. They've got something for everyone. Right now, it's the time of year where you need to have that snack maybe to get you through the day. Or maybe you're at work and you, you got a couple more hours left and you just need something. You don't want to ruin your appetite, but you need to put something in your belly. Built Bar is perfect, right? Low in calories, low in sugar, uh, great in taste, great in protein. It's high in protein, so it's really good for you, and it's going to get you over the hump and get you where you need to go. So check it out today. There's something for everyone. Built.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON15 when you go to check out again. Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to talk about the Raiders 2023 draft class. And this is all started from Brent from Boston. He sent the text into the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693. He did this on Thursday. We talked about it on Thursday's show. He said, hey Q, Brett from Boston checking in. I got a question for you as the dust settles on this offseason. What does a statistically successful season look like for our top draft picks? I'm thinking that Wilson, who was the first round pick, needs to get at least seven sacks. Mayor needs to get 60-plus receptions and five touchdowns. Solid run defense and three sacks for Young would be acceptable. Assuming Bennett gets on the field, I could see him getting a couple picks. Appreciate your thoughts. Keep up the good work. Just win, baby. That's from Brent from Boston. And I gave my answer on Thursday's show, kind of quickly went over a few of those players. But then I kept thinking about it. Like, it was one of those things that, no joke, as I was laying in bed and uh, trying to get a little bit of rest and getting ready for the show, uh, my radio show, I kept thinking about, like, man, what does a successful, like, the whole draft class? Because if you go back to 2022, the Raiders had six picks, right? Because they didn't have a first or second round pick after trading for Devontae Adams, which obviously was a good, uh, good move. 1,500-plus yards, 100 catches, 14 touchdowns. Job well done for Devontae Adams, right? That's a really good investment. I, lo- I, I love that pick, right? And I don't think that there was anybody that the Raiders could have drafted in round one or two that would have been better than Devontae Adams. So I was good with that. So they didn't pick till the third round. They went and got Dylan Parham. He played the majority of the season, and played multiple positions. So that was a really good pick. You know, they had Zamir White that they picked, the running back. They picked, um, they picked Neil Farrell Jr., uh, the defensive tackle. They picked Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle. Those guys didn't get much burn at all in 2022. Parham, plenty of burn. Zamir White, no. And then who else? Then they got Britton Brown, the running back. Really no burn from him. He got a little special teams burn. But then they have Thayer Mumford, the seventh-round pick out of Ohio State, the offensive lineman. So those two offensive linemen, Parham and Mumford, they got some really good burn in 2022. And it's funny. I didn't think that Thayer Mumford had that much burn. Like, I knew that Parham played a lot, and I thought that Mumford played just a little bit. And then when myself and DeMond were doing a little bit of research on the radio show on Thursday – comes to find out that Mumford played 34% of the snaps, which is not bad for a seventh-round pick. I mean, think about that. Seventh-round picks, they're lucky to make the squad. He didn't not only made the squad, but he played 34% of the snaps. So I think that that's really good production, and I expect him to actually have an uptick in his production. So those two guys, the offensive linemen, I would say you get an A for Parham, and you probably get a, a C-plus for Thayer Mumford, like almost a B. 
right? But Zamir White, because of Josh Jacobs and his production, he didn't really get on the field. And then the two defensive tackles didn't get on the field at all. So I can't say that the draft class was good. I could just say it was, I guess say it was okay, right? I mean, I, I guess it would, if I had to give it a grade and you know that I'm not good at grades, I don't like grades, I'd probably say it's around a C, right? Just because, like I said, there's only two guys that really produced out of the six draft picks. So now you go and look and realize the Raiders drafted nine guys. And I'm not saying that all nine are going to make the team. Six of them are on the defensive side of things. But you still, you look at it. So Tyree Wilson, you know he's going to make the squad. What does a realistic season look like for him? I think seven sacks, and I talked about this on my radio show. I have people calling in saying seven, eight, nine sacks. I don't see that. I just feel like that that's too much. I know that Chandler Jones is there. He's going to get burned. You know Max Crosby's going to get a ton of burn. He's going to have his production. I know Max's rookie year, he had 10 sacks, but I don't think that that's the norm. I think that that was Max Crosby just you know, overachieving his rookie year, and nobody was expecting it, right? As a fourth-round pick, nobody was looking at that guy and saying, oh, yeah, he's going to get 10 sacks his rookie year. The only person who believed he was going to get 10 sacks that year was Max Crosby. <laughs> the only person was Max Crosby thought he was going to get 10 sacks, and maybe he didn't even think he was going to have that kind of production his rookie year. So when I look at Tyree Wilson, I honestly, at one, I see a starter, right? And I'm not saying he's going to start week one, but, you know, week two, week three, Tyree Wilson's going to get a lot of burn as long as he's healthy. But I'm looking at four or five sacks. What I think is more important for Tyree Wilson is to look like he fits, look like he understands what he's doing, looking like what he's you know, expected to do. That's what I think is more important. At, one, at some point, Tyree Wilson's going to replace Chandler Jones. It won't be this year, but I can see this being the final year of Chandler Jones. And all of a sudden, Tyree Wilson has looked like, okay, you're going to be the bookend to Max Crosby. But for now, I think Tyree Wilson being able to play multiple positions and be able to be uh, successful in multiple positions will really show a really good production out of the first-round pick. Now you move to Michael Mayer, and this is where it gets tricky. I have people calling in saying 60 catches, 600, 700 yards, five touchdowns. I agree with the five touchdowns because I think he's a really good red zone target. And I think Jimmy G or whoever's throwing the ball to him will be able to target him in the red zone. I think that the red zone is going to be a lot more improved than it has been over the past few years with the Raiders. But I just think 60 catches is so much. If you think that Devontae is going to get close to 100, cool. I think last year, Matt Collins had like 54 catches, 55 catches. So Jacoby Myers, I'm expecting to be a true number two, where the Raiders didn't have a true number two last year. So if Michael, or if uh, Jacoby Myers gets... 50 or 60 catches. That's 100 and just say 150 between uh, Devontae and Jacoby. And then you throw in Hunter Renfro, who I believe will be on the team. Uh, just some part of me tells me that he's going to be on the team. Now, he might end up getting traded, but if, if he doesn't, I'm looking at Hunter to get, you know, 40 or 45 catches. Okay, so that's already, you know, almost, almost 200 catches between three dudes. I don't expect Michael Mayer to all of a sudden get 60 on top of that. I just think that that's way too much production. But the four to five Touchdowns, I could totally see. I'm looking at Michael Mayer to get about 30 catches, and on top of that, be really good in the blocking game. I think that that's where he's really going to butter his bread is by being an outstanding blocker and then making himself available for the quarterback to hit him, especially on checkdowns and in the red zone. Byron Young, I think he's starter material. All three of these guys, I believe, are starter material. Tyree's going to be a starter. Michael Mayer, I feel like, is going to start day one. Byron Young, I believe, is going to be a starter by week four, week five. He's going to stuff the run. That's how he's going to butter his bread. He's got to gain more reps on third down. His opportunity to pin his ears back and get to the quarterback. Once you start to see him get more reps on third down, that's when you know, okay, it's, he's, it's clicking for him. 
Everything that I've heard from everyone who I've talked to says this dude is going to be a 10-year starter in the league. He'll be really solid. He'll be nothing flashy. He's not going to be Aaron Donald, so don't expect that. But he's just going to be a really good player, know his role, be ready, and always go out there and perform. So I think Byron Young is going to be a really good player. But immediately stuffing the run, you know, show the ability to, to collapse the pocket and help get to the quarterback. And if you see an uptick in Chandler Jones and Max Crosby's production, look to see who's on the field with them. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's Byron Young. That's how you could tell he's successful. Trey Tucker, it's got to be a special teams ace. Just take over the kick game, which is what we all expect, right? He'll do kick return, punt return, and I just want to see how his speed is used on the field. So if if they can get him on the field and be the guy that a lot of people thought DJ Turner was going to be with all that speed, remember they're calling him Turner the Burner, with all that speed that he uh, he possesses, if, if that's what Trey Tucker can be, and show that maybe he could be a deep ball threat as well. Like I said, there's a world where Trey Tucker and Hunter Renfro coexist on the team at the same time. Uh, I, I would love to see Hunter Renfro in this McDaniels offense where he's fully healthy. So uh, I'm not trying to trade him and move on from him, as uh, I've seen a lot of reports. Uh, and, and maybe they're right. Maybe he won't be a Raider in 2023. But like I said, there's a world, in my opinion, where Trey Tucker and Hunter Renfro coexist. So special teams ace. Oh, by the way, get a bunch of tackles as a gunner as well. He's got that ability. as something Dave Ziegler, the GM, has pointed out that they really like about him. He's got a lot of wrestling backgrounds, so he's good at tackling. So I think he'll slowly but surely end up being the full-time slot guy. I just don't think you'll see a lot of that from him this year. But being a deep threat with that speed he's got, getting on the field and just being able to uh, you know, take some jet sweeps or, you know, take some end arounds or whatever the case may be. Just try to use, utilize that speed as a weapon. If, if you get that out of Trey Tucker and he's doing kick return and punt return duties, special teams ace, that'll be good. This is where it gets tricky. Ja'Korian Bennett, the cornerback out of Maryland, fourth round pick. He's a starter eventually in my mind. I just don't know when. Right, and, and I don't think that all corners, unless they're you know first-round picks, like you know if they got Devin Witherspoon, I think he's starting day one. But a guy that they get in the fourth round, I think they're going to really make sure he earns that spot. So I'm thinking no later than like week six or seven, Ja'Korian Bennett's probably going to be a starter. Right, I think he gets onto the field, and I don't know if he's going to come up with some ball production his first year. I don't know if he's going to come away with two or three interceptions. I don't, I don't know, right? We None of us know that, that yet. But I just want to see that he has the ball tracking ability. You know, what's the most frustrating thing that we've had when we watch the games and we see corners for the Raiders? How many times do we yell at the TV and say, turn your head around, turn your head around. All you got to do is look at the ball, turn your head around, look at the ball, you're in good position. But they don't turn and try to locate the ball. That's what I want to see. If I start to see Ja'Korian Bennett consistently turn, track the ball, get a few pass breakups, a few PBUs, if they, he comes away with the interception, great. I think that that'll come. He's a guy that is, is, is already known to be able to get his hands on the ball. I think that that'll happen. But early on, I just want to see the technique look sound and feel like, okay, you've got a player right there, right? Like when you look at Nate Hobbs and you feel like, okay, he looks the part, and especially his rookie year, he really looked the part. Second year, he took a step back only because of uh, injury. I just want to make sure that Ja'Cory and Bennett looks the part, and then he can they, they can feel comfortable with him out there starting by, like, I don't know, week six, week seven, whatever the case may be. Aiden O'Connell, hopefully you don't see him at all. <laughs> all right? he's, he's a backup quarterback, but I'll say this. It's, it's successful if he ends up being the primary backup, right? I mean, right now, Brian Hoyer obviously is the backup quarterback, and Aiden O'Connell would be third on the pecking order. But if he at some point makes Brian Hoyer expendable where he's not even dressing on game day and Aiden O'Connell is the primary backup, then I feel like, okay, they feel pretty comfortable in the rookie out of Purdue. But 
you know, it, all in all, in all seriousness, you hope that you never see him on the field in 2023. You hope that you only see him in preseason and in training camp, right? You'll see a lot of him in preseason and a lot of them in training camp. But you hope that you don't see him during the regular season at all. Christopher Smith out of Georgia, uh, he's going to be a special teams ace immediately. I think at some point he may have the opportunity to take over uh, as a starter uh, on, as a, at the safety position. He's also a guy that has some ball production, but... It, it, once he gets onto the field, if he gets onto the field consistently, I think that that's a win. Again, he's a fifth-round pick. Sixth-round pick, Amari Bernie out of Florida. First of all, he got to make the team. He'll be depth, the linebacker. I know a lot of people are excited about him, thinking that he can cover the tight ends. I don't want to put that on him immediately. Maybe next year he could be a linebacker that's a, a starter and is covering the tight ends and is that, that ace. But if he could be a special teams guy right now, provide some depth right now, and make the team, obviously, again, as a sixth-round pick, then – that's a win. And then Nesta Jade Silvera out of Arizona State, defensive tackle, same thing, right? Same thing. Make the team, provide some depth. I don't expect a whole lot from Bernie, and I don't expect a whole lot from Jade Silvera. So all in all, what a successful year one looks like for all those guys in a nutshell, three guys become starters. Three, three guys at least are starters by the end of the season. I think Tyree Wilson and Michael Mayer could be starters day one. It all Tyree Wilson just has to be healthy. Uh, Byron Young could obviously be that third starter, and again, Ja'Korian Bennett could be a starter. So really, the Raiders could end up with four. But if they have three, then that's good. And if they have guys that are capable of going out there and you can put them out there on the field and feel comfortable that they're going to do their job correctly, like a Christopher Smith or a Ja'Korian Bennett uh, or uh, who else? Let's see, uh, even Trey Tucker. If you could put them out there consistently, uh, then, then I feel like that that's really a whole lot of, uh, a lot of success. Quality snaps. For the, for the draft class is what I'm really looking for. You know, quality contributions. Again, it's hard for rookies to adapt to the game so quickly. They're not just going to go in there and be lights out immediately. But if they can figure it out and you can see that the light bulbs clicked on and that they, they understand what their job is, then I feel like that that's a success. In my opinion, that's what a 2023 successful draft class looks like for Dave Ziegler and the Raiders. They want to at least, I mean, last year I said they came away with a, probably a C, C+. Plus. They want to at least in this year, I think, come away with some form of a B, B plus, B minus, something like that as far as production goes. You want to see more than two guys excel like you saw in 2022. But that's what I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts are coming up next, 707-654-4693. We'll close out the show, close out the week here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation, segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Went a little long in segment number two, so don't have a lot of time for calls and texts, but we'll try to get to as many as possible. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Again, 707-654-4693. Let's start off with Raider Meatloaf. He's calling to talk about the draft lottery segment that I had on Thursday's show and shares his thoughts on it. Here he is, Raider Meatloaf. Hey, Q. Uh, Raider Meatloaf here. Uh, really liked your segment today on the uh, the draft lottery. I know People are not going to like it and think, uh, do the sad guy, uh, Raider story that, uh, woe is the Raiders that were always cheated, this and that. But I like it. I think that it would eliminate outside of the draft. It would eliminate what a rebuild is in the NFL. I mean, you see these NBA teams, they get, you know, three superstars on their team and they just become a powerhouse. So I think that it would eliminate, um, that sort of, uh, part about, the NFL and how long a rebuild takes. And, I mean, you just see Doc Rivers just got fired today, and he's a legend in coaching. So it's kind of like, okay, 
we're going to give you all the talent you need for this year. If you don't get it done, coaches are out. That's how it is in the NBA. Coaches are out always after a year if they don't win. And I kind of like that. You know, I, I don't know how the – I think that it needs to change as far as it needs to be different than NBA draft, how they do it. But I like that idea. I think it would be fun. Um, and I think it would give us a um, better chance of winning a Super Bowl quicker and get the right coaches in place. Um, all right. All right. Take care, Raider Nation. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And that's why I threw it out there, man. After reading and hearing the argument uh, from my guy Justin Mello from the Draft Network, I thought – Thought he stated a good case, right? And it's at least interesting. It's an interesting thought. I had a lot of people hit me up on Twitter on Thursday and say, no, no draft lottery, no draft lottery. That's not going to work. The Raiders already don't catch breaks. Uh, why would you? Why would they want a draft lottery? So I understand there's a lot of people that are saying hell no to it, but I do think it's interesting. And I, and I know one thing for sure. As I talked about Peacock and the how much money uh, they had to pay to stream that, the NFL would find a way to create a ton of revenue for a draft lottery, right? Just like they created ton of revenue for a schedule release show, right? Or multiple schedule release shows. Like they, they, one thing they know how to do is print money. So if they did have a draft lottery, oh, the NFL would capitalize that so much. I guarantee there'd be a streaming service that would have the exclusive rights to stream the draft lottery and they'd spend $120 million. They'd top Peacock. They'd say, you know what? The hell with $110 million. Let's do $120 million to get the rights to the draft lottery. Right, they would do it. I promise you. So, if you don't want it, and I know Raider Meatloaf, you're kind of up to, up for it. But if anyone doesn't want that draft lottery, don't tell the NFL that they can make money. Because <laughs> if they find out, then they'll do it. But thank you, Raider Meatloaf, for that call. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a text from North Logan Raider. AQ. Okay, I want to give my two cents on O'Connell with a question: Would he be as accurate as everyone says when he's under his pressure? Let's face it, our offensive line struggles at pass blocking. I like to think of O'Connell as a Tom Brady. He could pick you apart by being so accurate. But once he's under pressure, he throws interceptions and out of bounds. Let's keep in mind, most of the time when Brady was awesome, he had great pass blocking offensive line. That's from North Logan Raider. And again, man, for me, the jury's out on Aiden O'Connell. I guess it's really dependent on who you talk to. Some people love Aiden O'Connell. Some people think he's the next coming up Tom Brady. Some people think he looks more like a, you know, like a Aaron Rodgers or so. But I don't want to put any of those expectations on the guy. I only thing I know about him is that he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He is accurate, and he does have, have it between the ears, right? That doesn't mean that he's going to be successful in the league. That just means that he has those attributes, attributes that I just mentioned. So can he develop into something? Sure. Can he develop into a backup? Sure. Most likely, in my opinion, but maybe he is end up being uh, you know, a, 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 a franchise quarterback at some point. Only time will tell. Again, like I mentioned in segment number two, don't really want to even see him in 2023. If we see him in 2023, that means Jimmy G is most likely injured, which, you know, anyone who's listened to me for any amount of time knows that I'm very skeptical when it comes to Jimmy G staying healthy throughout the course of the year, only because it hasn't happened. Regardless if he's been a Niner or a Patriot, he just doesn't stay healthy. So I would not be shocked if the backup quarterback is called into, into duty sometime in 2023. Thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Big Nate the Steeler fan, and he's actually calling to talk about quarterback Aiden O'Connell. The difference is he's talking about him from a positive standpoint. Plus, he wants to talk about the overall record for the Raiders in order to make a change at the quarterback position. Here's Big Nate, the Steeler fan. How you doing, Q? Big Nate, Steeler fan, Cali. Just wanted to uh, chime in, man. I hear a lot of uh, Raider Nation giving props to Aiden O'Connell. And if you remember, I called you right after the uh, the draft, man. I told you that was my number one uh Exciting draft pick for you guys. I was, I was, I was jealous. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Aiden. 
I love his game, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback for you guys in the future. Being behind Jimmy G, we know Jimmy G is not the guy for the uh, for the long term, and hopefully Aiden O'Connell is, and uh, you'll see what I've been talking about. But I wanted to ask you um, this question about the quarterback situation. I know you guys have the bye week in week 13 this season. What record do the Raiders have to be to basically change quarterbacks at the bye week? Um, if that becomes an option. Thanks for taking my call. Have a good day. Big Nate, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And again, similar to what I said to North Logan Raider, right? The jury is out on what Aiden O'Connell is going to be. But, but you know, you're completely opposite of North Logan Raider. You've been very high on him since the Raiders drafted him. Like You literally immediately called in as soon as the draft was over and said that was the pick that you were jealous of. You really like Aiden O'Connell. And so uh, you're a big fan. Maybe he ends up being a really good quarterback. Maybe he ends up being a backup. Who knows? Uh, only time will tell. Uh, again, if Jimmy G goes down, I think that's the only way that you'll see a quarterback change. I think that this is Jimmy G's year. But again, if he goes down, and we know his injury history, so if you see a quarterback change, most likely that means Jimmy G did the inevitable and got injured. So I'd probably rather see Aiden O'Connell than Brian Hoyer. So I'm hoping if Jimmy G does get hurt, it's a little bit later on the season and not immediately. If it's right away, like out the gates, then you're going to see Brian Hoyer. And Brian Hoyer, well... Then the Raiders will be picking early in 2024 in the draft, and maybe they'll get that quarterback of the future that a lot of people want. Who knows? But like I said, you cross your fingers, you cross anything that you believe in, that hope that Jimmy G doesn't get injured. But we just kind of know the history behind the man that is Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, one more time, we got time for one more call. We'll get Jake from Massachusetts. He's calling in for the very first time to talk about the staff, talking about coming to Vegas for the Raiders and Patriots game week six. Here he is, Jake from Massachusetts. Thank you. This is Jake from Massachusetts, first-time caller here. Uh, I first just want to say, you know, I appreciate your podcast on the way to work, listen to your podcast on the way to work, and then on the way back to work. So, you know, it keeps my day going. Um, but I do want to say, obviously, me being from Massachusetts, I've been um, I've been despising the Pats the last 20-plus years, um, but they do know how to win. So, you know, all these fans that are saying, oh, stop bringing in Pats guys, stop bringing in Pats guys, hey, listen, they're trying to build their team right. Um, they clearly know They clearly know how to win. Um, you know, obviously, we don't got time to build anymore. We've been building for 20-plus years. Let's, let's win now. I get it. Uh, but I think it's coming. It's coming, Raider Nation. So, um, on the other hand, um, I'm actually going to the Pats Raiders game in Vegas, October 15th. I just want to get some pointers. Um, you know, I'm going with a couple buddies that are Pats fans. So, you know, obviously, I'd love to stop by Raiders Raiders bar here and there. But, um, you know, any any tips on you know where to go during game day, before game day, you know, anything like that. Plus, um, you know, we haven't bought tickets yet, so. Um, best places to sit, any recommendations. You know, obviously we want to see the game. We don't want to be up top. We want to be a little lower. But any sections to stay away from or any sections to kind of um, focus more on. Um, but, yeah, excited to hear um, hear your response, man. And, you know, like I said, first-time caller, um, appreciate your show, man. And, you know, go Raiders. You know, we got this uh, next season. I think our schedule is looking pretty, uh, pretty solid. Um, hopefully we'll get those 10 or 11 wins. Um, you know, 11 wins, hopefully, for the playoffs. But, you know, we'll see how that goes, um, as we've been kind of hoping for the last 20-plus years that we're in the playoffs. But um, it is what it is. Q, I appreciate what you do, like I said. Um, you know, thanks for the call. Uh, go Raiders. Jake, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Welcome to the show. Hopefully, it's not your last call. I appreciate you being the new booty. But, uh, yeah, as far as the staff goes, 
I think everyone is hoping, even though I know a lot of people aren't happy because, you know, these guys come from the Patriots organization. I'm hoping, and I think a lot of Raider Nation really is hoping, that they bring that winning culture with them, right? I'm sure that that's what Mark Davis is hoping, too, that they bring that winning culture. If they do, then sooner rather than later, everyone will forget where they came from and just be happy that they're winning. But right now, they've got to prove that they can bring that winning culture. And Josh McDaniels, as the head coach, going 6-11 and his first year with the team, that's not going to you know, make Raider Nation excited about the winning culture that they have. And Dave Ziegler only getting hitting on two out of six guys uh, that he drafted in 2022, that's not going to make Raider Nation believe that, oh, man, this guy is going to be a great talent evaluator, even though he didn't start picking until the third round. You know, now, depending on what we see from the rookie class that we talked about in segment number two, maybe that'll provide a little bit more confidence in the GM. And if the Raiders can win some games in 2023, then maybe Raider Nation will start to have more confidence in the head coach. We'll see. But as far as going to the game, week six against the Patriots, um, there's really no bad seat in the house. Like, I like to sit on the sides. I'm not really a big fan of sitting behind the goalposts uh, on either end. But, I mean, if you're going to, you could sit near the where the torch is, kind of near the torch. That's great seating there. Uh, but if you're sitting on the sides like I like to do, uh, I mean, anywhere between the 20s is fantastic. There's not, like I said, it's not a bad seat in the house. It doesn't matter if you're all the way up to the roof. It's not really as high as you would think. It's really more kind of intimate type setting. So I, I think that no matter where you buy seats at, you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy the view. And as far as places to go, like on a Saturday night, we as a radio station, we usually gather at the Rockstar. But I, I'm not guaranteeing that that's where Raider Nation is going to be this year. So uh, you'll have to call me back or I'll have to remind you or I'll have to say where it is once it comes to that time of season, right? And we won't know that for a very long time. So when, when that time comes around, then I'll, I'll pass it along here on the show. Uh, but I really honestly don't know. Like I said, it's been the rock star, which is pretty cool. It's a free place to go. It doesn't matter the age that like you bring your kids or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's one of the few places in Vegas that it doesn't matter what age you are. But again, that's Saturday night. It's for a couple hours. Uh, and like I said, it's been a pretty good place to us, but I don't know if that's where it's going to be this upcoming year. So I can't really tell you exactly where to go. So thank you so much for the call, though. Again, like I said, I appreciate you uh, you know, joining in and chiming in on the show for the first time. I know I said that was the last one, but I got one more text from HK in the 559, so we'll go ahead and close out with this text. Uh, it says, Q, I'm listening to the Thursday show, and that's a no for me on the draft lottery. I think that things are fine the way they are, especially in this new era. Players don't stay with one team for very long anyway. But the better question is, should we adapt to English Premier Football? I started watching that this year, well, because our season really sucked, and I don't want to watch any other sport than college and Raider football. When I found out the bottom three get regulated to a lower tier, what do you think about that? I know we don't have any other leagues, but hey, who knows? Maybe the XFL or the other leagues could become those leagues. Imagine top three getting promoted to the NFL. That'd be something that makes things interesting, in my opinion. That's HK in the 559. And I have to be honest with you, man. I don't really know the English Premier Football, like what they do as far as the whole tiers and all that and the bottom three. I'm not really up to speed on that. So if I give you an answer, I'd be lying to you. And I, I respect you too much to do that. So I'm not going to give you that. I will say you mentioned the XFL. They're going to have their draft coming up. What is it? I think they said it's coming up in June for the next season. So guys that were like undrafted free agents uh, for the NFL and maybe not making it in training camp, they have an opportunity to latch on with the XFL. So uh, that's not really an answer to your question, but I thought it was an interesting nugget that the XFL and The Rock are trying to benefit from guys that are going to be in training camp and then – they're going to get cut and, and released, obviously, as there's so many players available, they can possibly latch on. So maybe it's not till July 
That's when training camp starts. So maybe it's, uh, it's, it's, it's coming up pretty soon, and it's around the training camp setting. So I'll have to find out exactly when it is and pass it along. But, yeah, as far as the English Premier League football stuff, I don't, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> right? So, I, like I said, I don't want to lie to you and tell you that I do. So that's all I got time for you on today or for today's show and uh, for the calls and texts. HK, thanks so much for that, that text. I do appreciate you. We'll be back on Monday. More calls and texts. We'll have more news and notes. We'll have plenty of information, plenty of things to talk about as we uh, ramp up and get ready for OTAs week and looking at the 25th as the day that we'll be out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So until Monday, Raider Nation, have a fantastic weekend. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, Just win, baby.